This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6am on Wednesday, the 28th of September. I'm Shazana Mokhtar in studio this morning with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen San. Good morning, good morning on this rather wet Wet Wednesday. I believe this is the second day this week in a row that we've woken up to uh, the pitter-patter of rain, which is great sleeping weather. But for those of us who need to get on the road and get to work, uh, not the best way to start the morning, I would think. No, and I think yesterday was even uh, more blustery because I saw lots of branches on the road and even the you know in front of uh, Wisma Manara Kent. We have these parking cones that were all over the floor. Ooh. Yeah, so heavy rain, do take care. If you're on your way to work this morning, you know, just take it easy, take it slow. Maybe start a little bit earlier or just take your time. Uh, as the saying goes, biar lambat asalkan selamat. And, uh, you know, asalkan, let's not get stuck. I mean, the jam is one thing, but... You know, as long as you make it to the destination safely. For sure. In any case, we do have um, a lot of interesting conversations lined up for you this morning. So if you are stuck in a jam, you will be duly uh, informed for the day. At 7.15 later, we're going to be speaking to Munira Mustafa, the executive director of Shasser Group. And we're going to assess the effectiveness of new rules that Bangnagara has introduced to safeguards against financial scams. And at 7.30, we'll be talking about Japan. Japan is fully reopening to foreign tourists beginning October 1st. And we discussed the implications of this with Denise Wong of Bloomberg Intelligence. I would imagine this will be met with a lot of interest given where the yen is at the moment and Japan being such a beautiful country. Yeah, 145 against the US dollar, down 20% on a year-to-date basis. That should be reason enough for you to go. Worst performing Asia currency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then at 745, ahead of Budget 2023, next Friday, we speak to Fahana Rosla, Rosli, excuse me, Malaysia Tax Managing Partner at EY, to find out how Budget 2022 actually did. Did it hit the KPIs that it was supposed to? That's right. And we also have a not-to-be-missed breakfast grill today. Wong Xiaoning, who are you grilling in the hot seat? Oh, we are actually embarking on a series at On The Morning Run where we're going to have conversations with all the different youth leaders of the different political parties. And first off is going to be Amno Youth. So Dato Dr. Ashraf Wajidi Dusuki is going to be in the studio to answer my super tough questions. In fact, if you have any questions for him, why don't you WhatsApp in 018-789-8899 or you can tweet in at BFM Radio and maybe we can do a live fire round with him then. All this and more today on The Morning Run. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Rapture by Blondie. Such a great way to start the morning. You're listening to The Morning Run, 6.08 in the morning on Wednesday, the 28th of September. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jensen and Wong Xiaoning. So the first story that we're looking at today is called the is titled um, The Male Beauty Rebellion in China. And this is from the Financial Times. The China market has been a huge cash cow for international beauty brands. It's one of the only markets that's actually growing in the region or even in the world, maybe. Uh, you know, you have the likes of L'Oreal, Amore Pacific, Shiseido, Estee Lauder. They've all staked a claim on the Chinese market. It's huge. It can't be ignored. It cannot be ignored, but 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 there's a new trend that uh, people are watching now, and that's really the rise of a, a, a consumer segment that is a, that you think is kind of unlikely for beauty, and that is um, the rise of uh, 
Chinese men using beauty products uh, in China. And this is posing competition for all these international brands that um, have made their place in the Chinese market. So, But it hasn't come with some form of criticism from the government, right? Because they seem to be against this whole concept of men using makeup, skincare, beauty. And this is not new, right? Because... I uncovered an old BBC article that goes back all the way to February 2021 where the Education Ministry in China issued a notice with a title that left no doubt about its ultimate goal because it just basically came out to say that young Chinese men have become too feminine. All right. So that's something they are concerned about. So that was like the big, that was how the article drew me in, right? The mm. fact that there are these two competing forces going on at the moment. Uh, so you've got on the one hand, the government wanting to promote more traditional Macho, forms of masculine. masculinity. And on the other hand, you've got these uh, young men often who don't really want to toe that line and are looking at other ways to rebel. Okay, let's ask the men yeah, in the room. I don't know, ladies, but I cringe and really felt like a peasant when I read most of the article. My Why? beauty regime is practically non-existent. And oh, I'm, you steal I your wife's shouting, cosmetics, is it? No, I don't. Not at all. <laughs> I do remember you asked me if I moisturised one day and I, and you gave me a look when I, when I didn't really know what that meant. But never say never, to quote from this article, see a Chinese national said his makeup routine involves primer, foundation and Kim Kardashian inspired contouring Do you know what that is Jensen? No I don't before <laughs> applying brush strokes brush strokes of salmon pink blush to his cheeks and to complement this his recently dyed red hair he added pop glitter to his red smoky eye Cool. I think kudos to him, empowering himself. See, the, the what I re- recall is the term metrosexual, right? Mm. That came up very, I mean, we've been talking about that for several years now. And it really focused on um, probably Western men more who, who started to take an interest in their in their facade, in their beauty. Not It's not even about beauty. It's about skin care. You know? it's, it's everything. Yeah, style. It, it was more focused on that. And to see that now translate uh, into uh, an Asian market where I think the traditional notion of masculinity are a lot stronger. You know, men aren't supposed to be pretty or, or frou-frou. But that, I see that that's really changing, especially with the rise of K-pop. Um, I, I think the look, the aesthetic, mm. it's, uh, it's becoming a lot more accepted for men to also experiment with using makeup. Yeah, Jensen, will you be going down that path? Do you think there's anything wrong with that? Should we continue to label people and put them into like neat, tidy boxes? Does it really work in today's society? No, I think that's not right to mm. label people. I mean, you do what you need to do. You mm. do you, I do me, right? But yeah. um, what I actually found interesting about this article is really the numbers. Uh, mm. Male beauty, it's 10 billion this year, expected to triple by 2026. And based on Goldman Sachs forecast, this would form a quarter of the total cosmetic market by 2026. So you can't ignore it, right? Yes, if you're you a major player, it. right? Correct. So you need to participate in this. Um, for me, what's interesting is that it's all happening in China, which is probably one of the most controlled societies in the world. And you really can't stop people from becoming who they want to be. And I think it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because it's all about being in touch with who you truly are. And as society develops, as we get maybe more comf- more confident in who we are, I don't see why this should be an issue. Why should we then say, no, 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 don't do this, don't do that. It's, it's, it doesn't work, right? 
I think uh, a lot of rethinking or, or maybe reflecting that society can do on what's accepted and what's not. Um, mm. Norms are always changing, that's And for you sure. can make money from it. Imagine, right? It's going to be, what, a $20 billion, $30 billion mm. industry? And the Chinese brands are doing very well, apparently. Exactly. And they're taking share from the likes of SD Lauder, Maybelline. And that's really due to the presence of Chinese social influencers, which are present on... Uh, platforms such as Xiaohongsu and Douyin. So, so they're really beating their foreign counterparts at their game. I find that very fascinating because especially in this uh, world where trade is ex- is polarised between US and China and I think the rise of Chinese nationalism is also leading a lot of consumers to maybe favour Chinese brands over international beauty brands. Something that we should keep an eye on. So a lot of things to discuss from this article. But, you know, tell us, are you a man? Do you use makeup? Or what are your views about men using beauty products? Is that something that uh, you're seeing more of here? as well. Six, uh, you can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio, 614 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. We'll come back with a discussion on ultra-processed foods, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Arcade Fire with The Suburbs. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jensen. 6.21 in the morning on Wednesday, the 28th of September. Now, we are looking at this article and um, the saying goes, you are what you eat. But what does it mean if you consume a lot of ultra-processed foods? So this article in The Conversation investigates recent studies on the negative effects of processed foods. Uh, Jensen, why don't you walk us through what the story is about? Yeah, so the story is really about the negative effects of um, eating processed food. And what really is processed food? Well, think of anything that tastes really good and it's addictive. <laughs> that is processed food. My so- apple is my apple processed, oh, that's Jensen. Pro- that's natural food. <laughs> so take sausages, cereals, pizzas, chips, and to, and to some extent also plant-based products. They may con- Well, if you want to be scientific... You need to look at the ingredients. It would contain thickness, protein isolates, coloring, coloring other industrial-sounding products. And why are they so addictive? It's the presence of uh, dopamine, which is released when you consume processed food. But really, the proof is already in the pudding. And studies have shown that uh, consuming excessive processed food it leads to increased risk of dying prematurely greater risk of colon cancer, dementia, and of course, chronic inflammation throughout their body. So what really is the solution? Oh my goodness, what, what are we left to eat then? <laughs> what joy I is there left me in this, life? I often ask myself this question. That really, you can't eat white rice. It's... Uh, it contains too much sugar. Too much sugar. There's no nutritional value in brown rice. So. Apparently now you're not even supposed to drink milk. You're supposed to have plant-based milk. A lot of people, that's another trend, right? Yeah. Carbohydrates are bad for you. Fat is bad for you. So what's left? But see, the thing is, I, I suppose what everyone's always confused is, it's good one day, bad the next day, and then it's good again. Yeah. <laughs> so Coconut gets... oil was bad once upon a time, saturated fat, and now it's trendy again. It's supposedly good for you. A good, Yeah, a form of good fats or yeah. something of that sort, right? I think at the end of the day, it's true you shouldn't eat too much processed food for sure, right? But the point is, isn't everything in moderation? Yeah, that's, that's a very valid point. But the article also uh, says that it encourages people to uh, move to a Mediterranean diet, whatever that means. Well, I think for, we probably can relate this if we really look at the core of the Asian diet. Okay, So uh, in the past, I think we ate far more vegetables, 
right? And less meat. Because honestly, meat in those days, if I remember like 10, 15 years ago, it's gone up in price a lot. Uh, but I remember my household diet was very vegetable-based. We didn't eat that much meat. We maybe a bit more eggs. Uh, and if you weren't very affluent, you didn't have that meat. You would have fish because fish was cheaper, uh, which is better for you. But all this has changed also because of inflation costs, food costs, and the lifestyle, right? So if you're a working mom 9 to 5 and you're struggling, sometimes convenience foods, you have no choice. You, you feel like, I need to put food on the table and then what are my options, right? Heat up a pizza. <laughs> yeah, heat up a pizza or maybe serve Maggie Me. You know, you, you just, you think of, what can I do? And I think it's, sometimes we shouldn't feel so guilty because we really try our best. But it's that balance, right? To me, that's important. I guess something I've been thinking about is how the presence of ultra-processed foods, it doesn't, um, it, it's not, do, it applies to all income segments, right? Yes. So you're talking about um, the income segments that maybe rely on on cheap instant noodles because that's what, um, that's sort of the affordable uh, bit of uh, food that they have. And you can cook very quickly. And you can cook very quickly. But then you also have the more wealthy who suddenly have a door opened to all the uh, amazing processed foods that come from um, the Western world, for example. Like beyond meat, which like, costs, which is so expensive, by the way, in ringgit terms. When you think of processed meat, I mean, beyond meat says it's a plant based but yeah really processed uh, plant based uh, fake meat so uh, it goes both ways and I think I totally agree with what you said Shaoning about having everything in moderation mm. um, I think ultra processed foods they're going to be here to stay and in a way we can thank them for um, you know allowing us to have to keep food in, in edible condition for longer for yeah. example and sometimes we just to me sometimes you just want to give in to that craving right and I don't think we should feel extremely guilty about it all the time. It's just at what point you have to look at your diet and say, okay, I'm really eating too much junk food. I have to keep that balance. And I think that's what really counts. And I, and don't forget that it's not just about the food. A lot of times when we skew it to say like, oh, it's because of this one thing that our, uh, that our health is so bad. It's never just one thing, actually. Yeah. It's always a combination of Sleep, factors. Sleep, exercise, for example. Yeah, but I think generally people are a lot more aware now. They read more, they're living healthier, and they're more aware of their diet. But really, the food that's left at the pantry at BFM is really tempting at times, and I have to resist myself from consuming. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to defend BFM a little bit. There is a fruit bowl, Jensen. You can always reach for that. You don't always have to reach for that nasi lemak. There is wholemeal bread provided. The nasi lemak is really good. I would argue that nasi lemak is natural. It's not ultra-processed. The rice is, I mean, rice, you know, and the meat, the sambal, the chilies, all natural. I will defend that to my last breath. But in the meantime, tell us what you think. How much do ultra-processed foods make part of your diet? Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. 6.27 in the morning. We're heading into the 6.30 a.m. news bulletin. We'll come back after that with a look at global headlines. Taking you to the news is Joan Jett and the Black Hearts with Bad Reputation, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Nina Simone with I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Chowning and Chong Jen Sun, 6.40 on Wednesday, the 28th of September. We are taking a look at what's making headlines around the world. Uh, Xiaoning, why don't you start us off with what's caught your eye this morning? Well, first off is the IMF urging Britain's government to re-evaluate its new fiscal policy. This is being reported in the 
Financial Times actually. I think because the question marks about whether it puts too much stress on the UK economy because they'll have to borrow a lot more because with these tax cuts, question marks over the revenue base of the United Kingdom. And of course, we saw the impact of it because the pound literally collapsed to its lowest level ever. Uh, even against the ringgit, uh, at one point it was 4.8. At the moment this morning, it's 4.9425 against the ringgit. And there are question marks about whether it would actually reach uh, parity with the US dollar. So that's really quite big news from a financial market's point of view. I think the Bank of England has also come said earlier that they are going to be willing to step in, um, you know, to to I guess stabilize whatever volatility yeah. there is. They have basically come out to say that you know uh, they are going to have significant monetary response to the turmoil. So both the Chancellor and the Bank of England uh, both tried to calm markets yesterday. It somewhat worked, but I think really question marks about the list trust. Policy And, you know, there was even this cheeky headline where Bloomberg said, can we trust trust with the economy? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think there's really uh, too much of a lack of details and everything will only come out in two months' time, end of November. Mm. So it's, I'm not sure really if it's a, really a well-thought-out policy or, or it's just maybe a populist move. So it's the jury uh, is definitely still out. I was listening to a podcast this morning on The Economist and how um, the analyst was saying Liz Truss's government is trying to do what Ronald Reagan did in the 1980s. But it's not the same. The US is not, I mean, the UK is not the United Kingdom, right? Completely Sorry, the United different. States. Yeah. Uh, the pound is not the reserve currency of the world. So in a different position completely. All right. Other headlines. Jensen, what's in front of you? What's caught your eye this morning? Um, okay, I'm looking at this article and I found it quite uh, amusing and a bit interesting as well. So President Vladimir Putin uh, he granted Russian citizen, citizenship to former U.S. intelligence contractor Edward Snowden. And this is nine years after he exposed the scale of secret surveillance operations by the National Security Agency or the NSC. Um, I think what was also funny was um, his lawyer came up to say that um, he will not be called up to serve the Russian army because he had <laughs> not, not previously served before. But I thought they were randomly picking people to go and serve, so he's excluded. He's excluded because um, I guess he was never a citizen in the first place. He never did the NS, so he, he is... Uh, I well, hadn't even thought of it that way when I read that. I too thought that was quite uh, amusing, that uh, uh, it, would be quite, it would be quite something if um, Russia was giving citizenship to all the people that it wanted to join its army. But in any case, we do have some headlines coming out of Russia as well. Uh, I believe that they have um, results from the uh, referendum that they're holding in um, parts of Ukraine. This referendum has been seen, it's seen as a sham by most of the uh, Western and international world. But uh, I think Russia is uh, on, on, on track to um, announce annexation of parts of these um, areas in the country. So that's another development in the ongoing war. Yeah, and surprise, surprise, gas is pouring into the Baltic Sea. This is reported by The Guardian. From three separate leaks on the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, Amidst claims by some scientists in Sweden and Denmark of two sharp spikes in undersea activity, possibly indicating explosions and speculations about sabotage. Oh, mm. the plot thickens because gas is a critical part or critical chain in this whole Russian-Ukraine war. It has actually been weaponized, right, by Russia uh, as a threat against the European Union, especially as we head into the uh, winter season. 
So I think as a result, I do expect gas prices to be very volatile this morning. Uh, in fact, Brent crude is already up 2% uh, to $86 US dollars a barrel. Still lower than what we've seen for most of this year. I think we've seen it close, hovering close to 100 or 90, going down to 86. Um, that's still lower than what we've well, seen. Well, I mean, there were some investment banks that expected it to rise to as much as $150 a barrel at one time. But demand destruction is happening if there is a global slowdown. Yeah, apparently, the blast actually happened before the leaks began. So, oh, yeah. what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. hmm, surprise, surprise. You've got to put two and two together, right? <laughs> Definitely. All right, we're coming up to 6.45 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. We'll take a look at what is making headlines in our local newspapers and portals after that. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. That was Pearl Jam with Daughter. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. We have received some WhatsApp messages stemming from conversations we had earlier this morning on um, men using beauty products and also uh, ultra-processed fast food. Uh, who's WhatsApped in, uh, Xiaoning? Well, uh, Mr. Tan, or Miss Tan, I'm not sure. Uh, says that sometimes there's just, just no choice. It's cheap, quick and lots of variety and then goes back to your income and work-life balance, right? Uh, because some have to go out at 5 in the morning and reach like home at us. 9, like us. <laughs> and so what choice do you have? So yeah, I, I sympathise, right? Because you just want something fast, quick and maybe you've got three screaming, hungry children at home that you need to feed. So I think sometimes we shouldn't feel so guilty. We need to. Uh, when you do have the time, of course, maybe a balanced meal is best, but when you don't, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we have one more from uh, another lady who says that she tries not to use processed food too much because of the nutritional value, but sometimes it's really just down to convenience. Um, And she says that she does try to eat more plant-based food, but sometimes you have to wonder how processed are these trendy health foods. And she does question schools though, because sometimes they provide lots of processed foods like burgers, nuggets, fries, hot dogs, meatballs for kids. I have to I have to say yes that is very true processed food is quite a uh Common in the canteen in school canteens. Um, so it's you know it's I, I think it's fair that we think of alternatives where we can um, to this to provide balance. I think the idea is really balance overall. All right, let's take a look at what's caught your eye this morning uh, in terms of local headlines. Jensen, why don't you start us off? Okay, I'm looking at some economic news. So some rather good news for Malaysia. The World Bank has actually raised Malaysia's 2022 GDP forecast to 6.4% from 5.5% previously. Um, and But it has also cut Malaysia's 2023 forecast from 4.5% to 4.2%. And it cites uh, two main challenges for the country in expect in the aspects of inclusiveness of the economy and the overall economic growth going forward. And they did say that Malaysia's economic recovery will be uneven and not all the poor receive adequate support and there are many poor households that are in deep financial difficulties. And I wonder whether this will be addressed in Budget 2023, right? So this is something really pressing that the government needs to look at. Uh, Question marks about availability of social protection to the most needed. And yes, we are facing fiscal headroom, uh, limited fiscal headroom. But then that 
creates the urgency for us to to really look at our subsidy bill of 80 billion right work work that out a system whatever savings we have then use it for those that need it the most i think that would be my ideal budget mm. for 2023 my personal wish list what's interesting also jensen from this world bank which i note is that china's growth is expected to decelerate to 2.8% this year from 8.1% in 2021 first time ever actually southeast asia's growth will be will be faster than that of china for the last 30 years. Yeah, right? I feel that it's, it's quite it's remarkable. Quite a, it's quite a, a, a statement to make, actually. Don't forget that China has uh, sort of emphasized that it will reach 5.5% GDP growth. Uh, the World Bank does, has significantly reduced their target for that. Nowhere near 5.5%, something that we'll be keeping an eye on. Now, something I've kept that's caught my eye and I urge actually people to read is this article in Malaysia Kini. It's about 27 quarries to open up in Bukit Langong Forest, Selangor GLCs involved. Now, what we do know is that few surviving green enclaves in Klang Valley is, of course, this Bukit Langong Forest reserve. Apparently uh, from Google satellite images it looks like an Apple logo which has been bitten because Rimba Disclosure Project revealed that this green apple will get more bites as additional forest land will be cut down to give way to quarries. So this RPD which is the watchdog that collates and tracks deforestation throughout the nation revealed that forest reserve land in Rawang and Sungai Bulo areas were being sold online and a further investigation by Malaysia Kini revealed that three developers are linked to the Selangor state government. This is very, very worrying and this encroachment of our green lungs, of what little green lungs that Selangor has, um, I think it definitely needs more attention and Questions should need to be answered by yes. the authorities. And Malaysia Kini did try to visit the Selangor Environment Department because, you know, there is this requirement for uh, environment uh, study and apparently only one of these quarry operators actually submitted it. They also reached out to the Selangor Menteri Basaf's office and the State Executive Councillor's office, uh, which is he, Loy Sian, his Environment and Orang Asli Affairs to get their comments. And I don't think anything has been uh, furnished at this moment something that we really need to pay attention to and we'll be keeping an eye on moving forward. Um, it is 6.55 in the morning. We're heading into the 6, uh, not 6.30, 7am news bulletin. We'll have a look at global markets after that. But to take you to the news is Rita and the Tiaras with Gone With The Wind Is My Love. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.